Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hey everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today we're welcoming back Julia Hers, who is now the Executive Director of the Home Brewers Association of America. Is America on the end of that, or just Home Brewers Association? It's American Home Brewers Association. Ah, so I just I completely botched A-H-A. it, is what you're saying. I should probably open my notes up more quickly. <laughs> but thank you for uh, joining me again. So last time we talked, uh, COVID was a new thing. Uh, you were at that point the craft beer program director for the Brewers Association. Uh, but now I guess you're on like kind of the other side where you're helping people who may end up as members of the Brewers Association. Yeah. Went to, uh, to some of my roots. Um, homebrewing is how I got into beer in the first place, Chris. And so very excited to be leading the charge now as the executive director of the American Homebrewers Association. And question back to you, my interviewer, have you homebrewed? I have. Um, it's been a very long time, though. Uh, now I just have the luxury of every once in a while a brewery will invite me to come do a beer with them. Uh, so I get the semi-brew, but uh, under professional supervision. Understood. And there's such collaboration going on between professional brewers and home brewers. And that's how a lot of home brewers, um, I think, up their game. But you don't have to brew with a professional brewer. Uh, you can brew at home. And it's easy to do. And it's super fun. And I've been a home brewer since my 20s. And so I love talking about it. That's uh, one of the coolest things about home brewing, I think, is that it, um, it can kind of be what you want it to be. From simple to extremely complex. Uh, and Because I've done all versions of that where you know, like there was the stovetop home brewing at home to uh, brewing in my friend's garage who has a three vessel <laughs> system where it's like just a scaled down brewery at that point. So it, it yeah. it's kind of like whatever, however far you want to dive into it, that's what it can be for you. I think you are uh, very eloquent in summarizing it that way, just like any hobby or passion. Uh, it can be very simple. I've been doing a lot of stovetop brewing um, with extract kits, sometimes sneak a little grain in there to make it partial, or I can do all grain on my patio. Um, but the bottom line is it's a real super rewarding hobby, and there's nothing um, that makes me happier uh, besides something on the stove, cooking and, and smelling that, um, to also then looking across the room and seeing a carboy bubbling away of something I just brewed. Um, it, it just, I just bottled on Sunday, a Belgian triple that I made. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really rewarding kind of month in month out hobby. Uh, and, and we have 37,000 members of the American Homebrewers Association. Um, homebrewersassociation.org is the hub for all things homebrewing. And then there's millions of homebrewers in the U S so it's, it's much more prolific than I think many people might realize. And it is, uh, it's just very rewarding. What kind of effect did COVID have on homebrewing? It was that one of those uh, hobbies that saw a huge bump or did it stay steady throughout or? I'd say that with COVID, everything was affected. Um, and in, in terms of data, 
Um, we have not surveyed shops um, in two years, right? Okay. There was such an interruption. Um, but I've talked to hundreds of shops uh, with Homebrew Con coming up in Pittsburgh, by the way, June 23rd to 25th. Uh, certainly been reaching out to a lot of area shops in Pennsylvania that's um, near Maryland, or Maryland, and I know your listeners are all over. Um, and, and it's a mixed bag. A lot of shops I talk to in my home state of Colorado and Pennsylvania or California or, or anywhere, they're one of two stories. COVID gave us a boost or it's, it's really slow and we're struggling. And I think that before COVID even, we were seeing at least nationally aggregated trends to show that homebrewing sales at the shops was lessening and softening. Um, but it's still a very active hobby. A lot of shops um, that are saying they're having success feel like they had even more success because of COVID. Home is the place to be, right? And so yeah. you're brewing beer, wine, kombucha, sake, mead, cider, whatever you want to make. Um, and that was um, a way that people helped get them through a time by discovering the new hobby of home brewing. So it's a mixed bag. And until we do a nationally representative survey, I'm not um, comfortable to make predictions because it's aggregating it when there's just so much of a spectrum yeah. of different experiences shop to shop. Yeah, I've heard like my local one, I believe, had like ebbs and flows through it, like there were really peaks and valleys through all of it. Uh, we have the luxury in Frederick. We have an amazing homebrew shop. He does. It's called the Flying Barrel. That uh, just a, that's owned by great people, and it's just a great shop and resource for home brew, local home brewers to go to. And as an um, added bonus, it's in the same building as uh, one of Frederick's breweries. So you can, if you go there to, because uh, they do a brew on premise too, where you can use their equipment, um, you can pop next door and get a beer at the brewery. Yeah. And a lot of breweries, there's 9,000 plus, um, in, independent craft brewers, at least 9,000 plus locations in the U.S., um, one indication is a growing percentage still has a homebrew shop component. That's the way a lot of, um, of the heritage and pioneer craft brewers started. Um, and many of the breweries today really depend on and interface and kind of cross pollinate with homebrewers, with homebrew clubs, with their local homebrew shops that also supply brewers for that last minute ingredient that they need. So there's a lot of intersection and interaction going on with those professional and, and home brewers. Yeah. These ones are, we, we do have some of that in Maryland too, where it's the same people in the brewery and the brew shop, but these ones are independent businesses. They just happen to be in the same building. Really neat. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts. Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, or one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. 
Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. What uh, what kind of things can people expect at BrewCon? Homebrew Con, um, as I said, June 23rd to 25th, 40 plus speakers, people coming in from all over the world. Also happening in those three days or in the week is the judging on site of the National Homebrew Competition, which is the the world's most prolific and competitive homebrew competition. So you've got kind of this cast of stars kind of descending into Pittsburgh um, and the talks are off the hook. We've got headline speakers each day. Uh, Keith Villa is um, very uh, well known um, and he is now with Syria Beverage and interfacing with cannabis um, in beverages, which is going to be interesting to see how he breaks it down for the homebrewer level. Um, you've got Dr. J. Um, Nicole Beckham, who is the um, diversity equity partner for the Brewers Association and really helping to um, make craft beer and, and homebrewing accessible to all. Uh, Bill Kovaleski is our, our closing headline speaker. He's from Victory Brewing and just um, he's been an AHA member um, since his early days. And so it's really like coming home for him as the local guy to be closing out the conference. Um, yeah, there's there's an, an amazing amount also, too, of uh, exhibitors to come see. So you've got conference sessions and then you also have a very prolific exhibitor hall, brew expo, um, uh, or homebrew expo style, uh, and then also a social club. So there's always going to be beer. Nobody will be thirsty and everyone's going to be up in their game to impress each other. Uh, where is it at the convention center in Pittsburgh? It, or? it is convention okay. center in Pittsburgh. Yep. June 23rd to 25th. And it's in, come on apps. down, please, please join us. You'll be with, um, more than a thousand fellow homebrewers, beginner to advanced, and a little bit like summer camp for homebrewing. And Pittsburgh is an absolutely beautiful city, mainly because that, that's where I grew up. Really? Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me for the sneeze. Hey. I, I, that's really uh, cool. You should go. You should join us. Come back. Uh, come back home and hang out. I would. But what is it? I have something next week that I can't remember. Oh, I have I have a collab beer release next week that I don't want to be out of town for. Or I probably when would you, consider it. When you brew something, you want to be there to help yeah. celebrate it. Um, we do go up fairly often, though. I was just up recently and did a tour of recording podcasts with a few different breweries up there. It's a it's a much nicer place than when I left. Yeah, downtown Pittsburgh, super amenable, I think, especially with visitors in mind in the convention center right there. Um, Pennsylvania Brewers Guild has a lot of game to show on breweries that we're going to be touring. Um, and there's a, you know external bus tour that you can book and get out in the evening. There's also one of the greatest things about Homebrew Con as the national conference for homebrewing uh, is the homebrew clubs. We have 40 plus homebrew clubs serving on club night and they, they bring in all sorts of things. One um, homebrew con that I attended was, uh, had a homebrew club that served us outside, like from a um, the back of a car and they took the trunk and they made it an ice chest and they like really just like really dressed up this car, dressed up themselves, a lot of costumes, a lot of fun. And this is a great era right now, a lot of seriousness going on, right? There's been a lot of hard times. People are starting to get out again now. And to be in a conference environment, um, you convene because you want to educate yourself and grow and network 
and make new friends and then also just to let your hair down and have fun. And so that's what I'm looking forward to in Pittsburgh. So a question I ask every brewer that always talks about when they were they started out as a home brewer, do you remember your first home brew and if it was any good? My first home brew was amazing. And I made it with my friend, Charlie Gunn, who's also from Maryland, and it was a Scottish um, ale. It was the best thing I had ever tasted, and certainly I had an emotional connection to it. Um, we bottled it. We primed it with priming sugar. Uh, I remember when we opened it for our friends, just music ensued, and everybody started dancing, and they couldn't get enough of it. So my first batch went very well. That said, when you brew, just like um, baking, just like any you know hobby that's related to sensory, you you want to employ good practices. So you get better and better at sterilization and keeping things clean. So the yeast are the ones doing the job instead of microorganisms that may be not intended. But yeah, I've had a lot of first batches of homebrew um, that are great learning um, points to grow on. And my first batch of homebrew, certainly it was in that arena. But to me and our friends, it was the best thing we had ever tasted. You, um, you're definitely in the minority of having quality results on the first try. <laughs> but we most followed people, the directions. We, it was a kit. We followed the directions. That, and I, maybe that has a lot to do too, because that that is uh, one thing. Like if if you have one of those and you do just, it's like baking. If you just follow the directions to a T, something good is going to come out. Absolutely, and we break it down for you very well on homebrewersassociation.org as well as Zymergy Magazine. So members get Zymergy Magazine, uh, homebrewersassociation.org, certainly a website open to the public with lots of exclusive information and resources for members. But we have an easy amber ale recipe with a video that really takes beginners through it. And that's a great place to start. I'd say amber ale, you know, is a little more complicated taste-wise, more depth and complexity than many people realize. Um, and that's one we steer people to for sure. Also, if people want to try clone recipes, a clone recipe is a recipe of a commercial beer that you buy in the marketplace from a brewery. And it's super fun to try to rebrew that beer at home. And we've got hundreds of clone recipe brewers from home brewers as well as the brewers themselves, the commercial brewers on homebrewersassociation.org. I won a ribbon for um, a clone of. Um nugget nectar at the great frederick fair awesome uh, forever ago at this point but nugget nectar was it a pale ale then or was it more of an amber ale no i entered it as an amber ale um and it the reason it didn't win the blue ribbon is because it was judged that it was too like all the things that nugget nectar is <laughs> that makes it not a regular amber and because there's no like imperial amber category anything yeah, it's tough to judge a be you know really replicate a commercial beer. If you brew it again and again, you get a better chance of that. So maybe if you kept brewing, Chris, well, no, it um it didn't judge well because it didn't fit inside the completely the BJCP guidelines for amber oh, ale. Oh, forgive me, I thought it yeah. was a clone recipe of a commercial example. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it was a clone of but Nugget Nectar is an imperial amber, so like the like it's it's not it itself doesn't fit into the guidelines, but one of the, actually I think two judges in the notes uh, put that it reminded them of nugget nectar. So I took that as a win. 
Got it. And I love it. You know, I'm used to entering competitions as well. And you bring up BJCP or Beer Judge Certification Program. Um, and a great way to up your game when you brew is not just brew it at home, taste it at home and share it with your friends or neighbors, but to enter it into competitions. And then also to evolving maybe one day, if you ever really want to get deep into it, is to become a beer judge. And so my beer judging career has taken me far as a certified BJCP judge, and now advanced Cicerone, which is the beer world's version for the Wine Sommelier program, the Cicerone program. And judging beer is a true joy. And Chris, it's interesting, you probably heard about them, but the Beer Judge Certification Program now has new style guidelines um, released in 2021, and everyone's going to have to take some time to get used to them because the previous guidelines from 2015, um, which we're using still for the National Homebrew Competition coming up, but this is the last time, um, will, uh, you know, take take some evolution to get your head in the game from 2015 to 2021. Does it just, like, change the kind of the modernization of some styles or does it add in additional styles or yeah, both? Beer, well, I mean, I'm not with the governing body of the beer judge certification program. Okay. The AHA helps start the BJCP though. Um, but based on looking at them and, and not embodying them yet, it'll take some study. Uh, the 2015 guidelines to 2021, that's six years of evolution in the marketplace of Um, BJCP evaluating, you know, what should we add? So a lot of the changes when the guidelines are made on the BJCP side are either recategorizing, um, yes, adding some new styles, um, recognizing uh, something that maybe stuck longer. They finally added, for example, Brute IPA, uh, even though that was a bigger trend about three or four years ago. Um, So it's not throwing the whole deck of cards up in the air. It's taking the style guidelines from 2015 and cleaning them up a little bit and then modernizing them, as you said. I um I actually went through a multi multi month BJCP like training class, but I never um I never went to get uh, certified as a judge because I know I knew I would never do it. I just wanted to have the knowledge of like ta- like figured that was a good way to learn how to ta- taste and talk about beer intelligently. I think you're very smart. You know, the baseline um, education programs, BJCP is one of them. At HomebrewCon in Pittsburgh, June 23rd to 25th, we will have BJCP um, is giving their exams for um, mead, cider, and beer. So if you want to test into the program, it's good to find in-person exams, and that's going on upcoming soon. Um, you've also got Gordon Strong, who is kind of uh, the president emeritus and still today the one that's in charge of the BJCP style guidelines. He's in Pittsburgh. I'm actually doing a talk with him so he can talk us through the 2021 changes of those guidelines and where he sees style guidelines going from here. So that'll be super fun to learn from the people that are really in the trenches volunteering um, and taking the style guidelines uh, to the next level. So are you ever going to um, take the master Cicerone test or are you happy with being an advanced? I'm happy with being an advanced. I have sat, (laughs) though, three times for the master, Chris. So the Cicerone program, which really kind of started around 2008, uh, really evolved as I evolved in my role at the Brewers Association as craft beer program director. So I always wanted to be a student of the program. Um, And so from the start, I tested all the way to the top. 
They added advanced Cicerone, which is now the fourth level later in the process. And a lot of people that sat for master when they were the second level, which is certified level, and then they went for master where advanced wasn't available. I think we're really, you know, um, and I experienced this the first time I sat for it, just fish out of water, not ready to, to play in that space. So the advanced exam, though, is pretty exhausting. Um, there uh, is only a couple hundred of us, and it's eight hours of testing um, in person. I don't know how many beers, maybe 20 beers, a couple of essays, um, lots of questions, and then demonstration also. So it's exhaustive. The master is two days of that. Either way, very, um, very intense tests. And I, I'm happy for now to hover on the advanced level <laughs> and uh, have accomplished that. Yeah, that is one of those things like it, I always think like, oh, it would be kind of cool. And then I think like, nah, I don't. Um, I'm way too lazy for any of that. <laughs> I buy my beer at District East in downtown Frederick, Maryland. They have an amazing selection of local and hard-to-find beers, and I love the option of making my own mix-and-match custom six-pack. District East is on Northeast Street in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Showroom Restaurant and Rockwell Brewery. Most weeks, they have over 950 beers in stock. Check out this week's selection at www.districteastbeer.com. Are you planning on having custom glassware made for your business? Glassware availability for 2022 has already reached capacity, and it looks like costs will predictably rise this year. Don't worry, ACS Brand My Beverage has you covered with over 6 million units of the most popular glass styles exclusively in their inventory to meet your branded glassware needs right now. Lock in today's lower prices and take immediate delivery, or ACS will store your product for you until you're ready. Email sales at brandmybeverage.com or visit brandmybeverage.com to reserve your glassware. McClintock Distilling is Maryland's first and only certified organic distillery, handcrafting gins, whiskeys, vodkas, and cordials from non-GMO organic ingredients in downtown Frederick. Named the best vodka distillery in the country by USA Today, best gin in the world at the International Spirits Competition, and double gold at the World Spirits Competition for bourbon, rye, and gin. Open now for tours, tastings, and classes. Come sample the most awarded distillery in Frederick today. Especially advanced or master. I could probably handle the first two with minimal additional efforts in learning, but uh, level three and four I definitely could not do. Yeah, well, the only way to pass any exam is to sit for it. So I'm here to say first level. I've counseled a lot of people on you know helping them become first or second level. And sometimes you do have to sit multiple times. But it, first level is online. It is manageable. And it gets you familiar with the curriculum, which is 19 plus pages. It really gives you a good baseline for beer. Um, and with education out there um, in your uh, journey, whether you work in beer or you're a home brewer, um, the more you know, the more proficient you become. And so I think educational programs are really good. Conference seminars and webinars are incredible. The magazines like Zymergy that I mentioned um, and books, right? Uh, we publish an amazing amount of books. Um, Brewing Classic Styles is published by Brewers Publications, which is part of the AHA. And you want to take a classic style and learn how to brew it we've got the book on it, right? Brewing style, brewing lager, 
Um, there's an incredible amount of that. And so you always just, I think, as a student of beer, if you want to continue to advance, um, and certainly you can keep it as simple as possible, but if you want to continue to advance, um, having you know the arsenal in your toolkit of a variety of resources is what's really helped me get much more well-rounded and become more comfortable in the space of speaking as an authority and an educator over um, you know always just being a student. Yeah, I think when you're in the industry, like any, actually any, I guess any touching of craft beer, like those things I, I believe are like very important because especially like your super craft beer nerds, if they go someplace and like, especially at a brewery and the um, beer tender doesn't know <laughs> about beer, like you'll like, you never see someone so angry about something so trivial <laughs> so if you, like if that's a career route you want to go in those those types of training the things are definitely valuable absolutely so, yeah go ahead chris what is the relationship between the american homebrews association and the brews association of america so brewers association of america is no longer the Brewers Association is the evolution of several entities, including the BAA. Okay. Um, American Home Brewers Association has been around since 1978, still going strong. As I said, 37,000 members plus. Come join us. Less than $50. It'll pay for itself. Trust me. Um, I, I, was a, I was a member for a while. Um, and even just like the discounts and things that were offered to members almost pays for the, the membership. You totally are hitting the nail on the head. If you're a beer enthusiast, it's an appropriate membership for you. You don't just have to brew. Um, great American beer festival is going to be happening, uh, you know, later in the year and American homebrewers associations get, uh, access to the presale tickets, um, in some form, as long as, uh, you know, you're paying attention and you uh, want to get going on the number one festival in the U.S., frankly, in the world for some of the best beers and gathering all year long. Um, you also, uh, you know, as a beer enthusiast, you can learn from going to things in your backyard, by the way, um, tied to the Brewers Association that you asked about is Savor, an American craft beer and food experience happening on June 24th at the Anthem. And I've been around long enough to have say I've been to most savers and saver is happening same time as homebrew con in Pittsburgh. But if you're in DC and want to go to something truly incredible, um, 200 plus craft beers um, from, uh, you know, 100 plus breweries and they are paired to strategic pairing bites. This is not a festival. This is a food and pairing experience. And the true personalities behind these breweries are the ones in the room serving um, so you really, in D.C., if you want to catch one of beer's best, you go to Savor and then you keep going year after year. <laughs> yeah, because that's definitely in your wheelhouse of the confluence of beer and food. So that must have always been one of your favorite uh, events. A thousand percent, yes. Um, I came into uh, beer knowing how to homebrew first. Then getting a sense of the beer style guidelines and becoming a beer judge. And then the next evolution to me was learning how to beer pair. And pairing beer and food is just as prolific as, as wine and food. It's just not situated the same way in terms of the approach or the knowledge base. 
So I've co-authored, you know, Beer Pairing is an amazing book that I've co-authored, co-authored craftbeer.com's Beer and Food course, and I really tried as an authority and an educator in beer to become familiar with how to help people and myself describe beer pairings. So you get a home run or you can describe that's ah, a middle of the road or that was a negative pairing. It's, it's a clash or a train wreck to me and then backing it up as to why. And I think a lot of the learnings that I've now started to share out in the space can help brewers and frankly, people in food and beverage and hospitality articulate pairing in an exponential way that then leads to a better experience when we drink and when we eat. I, I, I know uh, we need to be conscious of time. So let's give one more quick rundown of how to like where people should go to follow, to join and get information on uh, homebrew con. On home and then con, I have some random stupid questions to ask you. No problem, Chris. That's why I'm here. Uh, HomebrewCon is, um, you can find it on homebrewcon.org, the website. Homebrewersassociation.org is the hub for all things homebrewing and where you can join the AHA. So day in and day out, you've got more reasons to brew, more community to connect with, more resources to up your game, including Zymergy Magazine, and more savings that has the membership pay for itself that's tied to the 2,000 plus member deals at homebrew shops and craft breweries all across the U.S. So that's where you go to join us. And now what are your silly questions? All right. So th these are rapid fire. We end every episode this way. Uh, do you wash apples before eating them? Yes. Best fast food French fries. Defend your answer. Good times burgers because they sprinkle a little bit. It's not Old Bay because Marylanders, we get it. Um, but it's it mimics it, and so there's more flavor than just your standard fried French fry. Have you gotten to try the Old Bay uh, goldfish? No, but I literally just saw Old Bay goldfish from Megan Parisi of Boston Beer on social media yesterday, <laughs> and my comment was genius. Yeah, I um I haven't been able to find any yet. Uh, if I find some, I'll send them. To, I'll send you some too. Awesome. But that, but as in any time there's something Old Bay in Maryland, it's gone everywhere. <laughs> right. That's potato chips, right? Yeah. I love, I always snag those when I'm home. Pizza or tacos? Tacos. Name a famous person you would love to meet. Um, mm, wow, that's a big, you've, you've stumped me. There's so many. <laughs> there's so many. Um. Are they? Do they have to be alive? Um, I have allowed deceased people in the past, so I will. I Mother, will Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa. Who would win in a battle between a ninja and a pirate? I have no idea. They. Ha everybody has a fair chance in life. The correct answer is pirate. <laughs> uh, uh, is is it acceptable to use a gift card on the first date? Yes, it shows that you are financially minded and not in a negative way watching your dollars. I think it's a great attribute. It's it's always funny how different people look at that when I ask that whether or not they they view it from the mind of that where you're you're financially conscious and then the other avenue is that the person's cheap. What is your favorite Starburst flavor? Uh strawberry. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Hell yeah. That's that is the wrong answer. Uh, <laughs> what goes in the bowl first, cereal or milk? 
Cereal. Correct answer. That's a, the, someone asked me if there were actually people that put milk in first and I have seen that debate online and there are, there are maniacs out there that put yeah, uh, milk that in just first. That blows my mind. That approach <laughs> would never have occurred to me. That's wow. Well, Julia, thank you again for your time. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, people should definitely, if you're into home brewing, or even if you want to get into it, because it's the pricing is very reasonable. Like if you're curious about home brewing, going to BrewCon is definitely uh, should be high on your list to go check it out. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for everything you do. Love your Maryland accent. Um, you are so into beer and helping build community and educate people. We've known each other for years. Thank you for this opportunity and be well to all the listeners. And cheers. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.